I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upbeat Dietitians podcast. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very exciting topic and based off of the episode title, you probably probably already know what it is. Today, we're going to be talking about BMI. We're going to be talking about kind of what it is, how it was created, what the purpose behind the creation of it was, kind of the flaws in BMI. A lot of the flaws in BMI were actually, that's probably, will be half this episode. Yeah. And then we'll be kind of discussing more accurate ways, which is kind of a spoiler, but more accurate ways that you can assess your health rather than just BMI. So let's get into it because I already know we both have a lot to say today. So BMI, also known as body mass index, is the ratio of height to weight. More specifically, it's kilograms divided by meters squared. That's it. So it is currently used to diagnose if an individual is underweight, normal weight, overweight, or obese. And in the obese range, they have multiple classes of obesity, class one, class two, and class three, which is then this class, or I guess this category more so from all the different ones, is used to evaluate an individual's risk for disease, which is controversial because there is no evidence that shows that weight causes obesity. There's only a correlation. And as you know, correlation does not equal causation. Yes. Like right off the bat, like this is already a big flaw with BMI. Not only does it say underweight, normal weight, overweight, and obese, which is problematic in itself because what is a normal weight? Like everyone's meant to be diverse. But everyone assumes that if you are obese, that you have a high risk of disease. But if obese is just based on BMI, which is this ratio of height to weight, that's problematic. Like someone who, I'll get to this later, I think, who's like a bodybuilder, whose BMI is like in the 40s and they are class three obese, they probably don't have a very high risk of disease. So again, there, like Emily just said, there is no evidence to actually show the causation of weight um, to disease. Yeah. Just a correlation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the categories more specifically though. So like Emily said, there are a handful. So there's underweight, which is when your BMI is less than 18.5. There's a normal weight category, which is what we all are supposed to ideally be at. And that's when your BMI is 18.5 to 24.9. And then we've got three classes of obesity, anywhere from 30 to 40 and above. So those are the classes, and that's all I want to say about that. Those are the classes. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what else. So There's not much to say. Said. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's just again like your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. Um, and if that seems pretty random, it's because it kind of is. So BMI was founded in the 1830s, so almost 200 years ago. So we can see how that's problematic by a Belgian statistician, sociologist, astronomer, and mathematician. So again, problematic, not a physician. 
by the name that I'm going to pronounce wrong of Lambert Adolphe Jacques Quetetlet. Um, I feel like he was, was French. Yes. He French? Well, no, Belgian. Oh. Belgian. Oh, Belgian. Sorry. That did I not just. Was <laughs> I was going to say Jacques. Don't say anyway. Oh, yeah. The Jacques. Adolf, Adolf Jacques Quetetlet. Quetetlet. <laughs> I don't know how to say like any type. I can only do Spanish, and that is oh it. yeah, me too. I have no idea how to do. But Adolf Jacques Cotelet <laughs> created the Cotelet Index. <laughs> I think the T is silent. I think it's Cotelet. Cotelet. Oh, oh, that sounds. I have literally no idea. I have no reason to think that. Just sounds cool. Yeah. Um. Okay. Then. Anyway, it was known as the Cotelet Index for a while. Um, and the reason he did this was just to kind of like determine what the average man should be. And Emily, if I'm wrong about this, let me know. But it was like for like an average like white man, right? Yes, I okay. it was white European men. Okay, so I think we're going to get to that in the why is BMI garbage section. Mm-hmm. Um, but also this Jacques Ketelet guy also explicitly said that BMI could not and should not be used to indicate the level of fatness in an individual. So to say that someone is obese, which means that they have excess fatness, is not why BMI was even created. So we can't make that correlation there. It that's what made me one of the most like that part was like one of the most frustrating parts is this individual explicitly said. Do not use this to identify levels of fat or like adipose tissue in an individual. It's not for that. Yet here we are 200 years later, which is wild to think about, still using it to diagnose individuals of obesity. Right. And then making, we'll get to this too, but then shaming those who have this nonsensical BMI obesity diagnosis and telling them that if they get to a normal BMI, that will suddenly fix all life's problems. That's how it works. It's so bizarre. Once your, once your weight is nicely ratioed to your height, that's when you're healthy. And isn't it true too, Emily, that we, there are more, it's, it's more fatal to be in the underweight category than to be overweight or obese. Have you heard that before? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was a true thing too. Yeah. So why are we so hyper-focused on people whose BMI is in thirties when we should be taking care of those who are struggling with like an eating disorder or rapid unintentional weight loss, or those who are elderly and losing weight for no reason and are at high risk of death. Like, yeah, I think it's just just priorities. It's a good reflection of the fat phobia still very present in today's society and how we still associate, oh, their their BMI, even though we already we already noted that BMI is not a good indicator off the bat. Yeah. But if their BMI is 18, I'm sure some physician is flagging that. Someone's got to be flagging that. But like they're oh. more concerned about telling any overweight individual that they need to lose weight rather than anyone who's underweight. And I think we learned this where in the elderly population, you actually want to have a higher BMI. Yeah. I got that in the BMI is garbage section. We'll get to that. I did. Okay. Perfect. 
We'll get to that's, that that's later. True. Then. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so our last point on what BMI really is, is um, our like explanation of why we use it, I guess, more so is like I just said, it's super inexpensive. All you need is a scale and like a way to get their height. And it's so simple and fast. It's a lot simpler and faster than assessing body composition or even like waist circumference. Waist circumference takes a little bit longer. Um, there's a higher margin of error for those types of things as well. Whereas BMI, we just know it's like height to weight, boom, we can easily diagnose someone based on their weight. But let's get to the real good part of why BMI is garbage. I am so excited. This is going to be great. I am very passionate about this first bullet point. Take it away. So number one reason, not number one, number first reason BMI is garbage. The race bias behind it. Hannah already talked about this, how the data collected to determine the different categories of BMI was conducted on a group of white European men. And if you know anything about research or science, you can't generalize one group of that specific. I don't, I didn't, I couldn't find their ages. They're typically in their 20s. That's typically how the studies would go. Um, a t- 20 year old, 20s white men, that's normal how the research is. Um, but specifically for this one, you can't generalize an entire global population under this one sample group. Like men's bodies are different than women's bodies. White individuals or like people who are white have different, it's been shown that they have different body composition kind of makeups compared to Asian individuals, black individuals, Latino individuals. Every single race has different body composition like they're, that's just how kind of they were built. And from a genetic standpoint, they're different. They're not going to all be the same. So kind of generalizing and applying that data to everyone is incredibly unfair. Oh, yeah. Incredibly unfair. And it assumes that, or it makes <laughs> the assumption that white men are like, what everyone should look like, which is also yeah. insanely racist. I'm trying to look like a white man. <laughs> oh, in my dreams. <laughs> yeah. So as you can already see, off to a rough start. Not <laughs> That's why great. I put this one first, because I knew it would just get them hooked. Yeah. Let's, I don't really have much else to say about that. Like, no. I don't know how, how else you it can. Is inaccurate and racist and 200 years old and we just can't use it for every population that's insane although I don't know if this is better or worse but there are I've seen different BMI qualifications for Asians have you seen that before I have because it's like lower right yeah yeah which is also like I don't think that's a good thing ah I don't know that's I feel like it gets weird like with people like me who are mixed, like which which BMI scale would I be on? That's would true. I, would you take the average BMI? I think I looked at it and I like was horrified when I looked at the <laughs> when I was like, oh my God. It was so different. 
Well, that just proves the point though. Like you could be, I don't know exactly, but you could maybe be obese on an Asian BMI scale. And I would argue that your health is not really at risk because of your weight currently. Like, yeah, that's neither of them are really taking that much heart to it. Unless we're we're making sure we're looking at all data points, not just BMI. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And actually at the end, we'll go over some different, like more accurate, less biased ways to assess health. Cause you might be wondering like, okay, if we don't use BMI, then what do we use to assess if someone's healthy or not? Yeah. So we'll get to that later. Stay tuned for the end. (laughs) Um, but our next reason of many of why BMI is hot garbage is that it assumes that we know someone's behavior and health status based purely on their body size. So fun. Yay. So fun. I'm so glad that we use BMI every single day in healthcare. In that insurance, oh, we'll get to that actually. Never mind. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, <laughs> point number three of why BMI is trash. So, it sets unrealistic weight standards for both men and women. Women do not weigh the same as men. Spoiler alert, like our body composition, our body fat percentage is just naturally going to be higher. Right. Like we've got boobs and we have to carry babies. Yeah. Yeah. We're not supposed to be, I don't know what they do. (laughs) Men men don't do, nope, not going to get into a sexist thing today. Nope. Okay. Hold it in. I know I was about to say we no. carry babies. We carry babies. Our boobs are all the time sometimes. It's just like, but yes, let's all make white men the standard to what we have to look like and be like and look yeah. up to and who gets to run the world. Oh, okay. I was scared this would happen. <laughs> we usually try to keep it not political on here, but it's okay. Our this is who we they they probably figure that out at least from my Instagram, but yeah. Moving I don't on too much, but I don't think that we should all look like white men. That's for sure. No, I'm not trying to be <laughs> the other kind of point though, under why setting unrealistic weight standards for both men and women is the strong connection with disordered eating and eating disorders, because there's that obsession. There's already an obsession around weight and BMI is just kind of almost this contributing factor on that bias that you need to be in a specific weight range to be considered healthy. And kind of in Hannah's case, where she works with weight management, people will try to get within different ranges. And there there are sometimes I will note when maybe switching between different ranges is necessary, more so for like surgeries, if we're like you're doing a transplant or stuff like that. But that's a different case where they're just kind of, they're just trying to optimize to make sure that the organ that they're donating is going to the best kind of specimen. I'm so sorry I just cost a person a specimen. Ew. I don't know what acceptor, donor acceptor, who is recipient. 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 Took me third times the charm, but there are some times where kind of shifts in BMI that's when but that's like a different case this is just general living and 
there was that fixation. I remember I used to, throughout Purdue, I would calculate my BMI all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Why does that not surprise me? (laughs) One, I liked math. (laughs) Two, I was like, we already know I had like issues. (laughs) So, and when you give me a number that I'm going to fixate on, um, and I would like freak out when it like went, it like went up two points within like a year or two. And I like freaked out over it. And then I, there was already disordered eating going on, but that was not helping to everything going on. And I was just like, imagine and that was like I was learning I was being educated on how to become a dietitian and aware of kind of the behavioral side of it like people don't have that education and then you kind of give them a tool and it's very easy to go and find a BMI calculator online and or very easy to calculate if you like doing math like me um but it's just not Great, because it just coincides very closely with kind of weight overall and using that as an indicator of health. Right. And like you said, you lucked out in the way that you were in the process of like learning to be a dietitian. And so you learned that BMI is garbage. Um, But if someone was in your same shoes, but then never went the same path as you, they could like still be here 30 years later obsessing over those BMI points. And Mm -hmm. their food habits will reflect that, their exercise habits will reflect that, their body image will reflect that. And that is how EDs start. So, yeah. Not great. Patients ask me all the time. It's so frustrating. And it makes sense because of where I work, but they're always asking what? Well, they say, um, what's my BMI today? And I'll tell them and they'll be like, okay, now what do I have to like be at to be a a normal healthy weight and I'm like okay here we go uh, buckle up I've got a whole rant to go on with you dang and it's so hard because in healthcare it's not just dietitians like there are doctors and other medical professionals and literally everyone else who might not have the same viewpoint as Emily or, or I do and so they hear from me or Emily that BMI doesn't matter but then their doctor tells them they have to be at a BMI of 25 or whatever to qualify for knee surgery or whatever it might be so it's like 25 no that was dramatic it's usually 40 for knee surgery (laughs) I was gonna say I've never heard it that low no it's usually 40 um but yeah the idea just stands like there's conflicting views on it and not everyone knows all these reasons of why BMI is so bad no a lot of people don't a lot of people don't even know how it was created Exactly. Which that's why we're hoping that this episode will be spread around and you can, you also can educate other people on this. Um, Make it go viral. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Our next little point goes back to what we said earlier about older adults. Um, Older adults actually have different BMI specifications because we, as we get older, actually need to have more meat on our bones because if we fall or get sick or whatever, it takes a long time to recover if we're older, but we also don't want to have any kind of unintentional weight loss when we're older because that can just really lead to that decreased muscle mass and that decreased quality of life. You can't do your activities of daily living. Um, 
And so again, the BMI specs for older adults are different. And that just, again, proves the point that BMI makes no sense. Like, how can we just like change the numbers back and forth if you're older, if you're um, younger or whatever? It's just, yeah. it's not science-based. It's just a ratio. Yeah. I don't really have much to add. (laughs) Just know that if you're older and you're concerned about your BMI for whatever reason, it needs to be higher than 18.5. I think it's 23 is the cutoff for being underweight. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) It just keeps adding on and on. We're not even like, I think we're like halfway done with these reasons. So these next couple ones are no, the first one was one of my favorite in terms of the flaws. Yeah. But these next couple ones are, I feel like they really get the point across. So yeah, this next one, and I already have a, I already have an example set up that's going to really just elicit how bad this is. BMI does not take into account muscle mass, bone mass, water weight, your ratio of fat mass to muscle mass, waist circumference anything it just takes your height and your weight and that's it let me tell you uh this is kind of where <laughs> let me tell you listen Think, up. Uh, <laughs> so hannah brought up the bodybuilders who have a lot of muscle mass but they're considered obese because muscle is heavy that's that's just how it is <laughs> and when you have a lot of muscle you weigh more. So compared to the average European Joe, <laughs> like our Sir founder, I don't, I don't want to even try. <laughs> um, they're, they're someone of their height compared to someone who like, doesn't really, doesn't compete in bodybuilding competition. They're going to be way more. And they've oftentimes I've seen their placed in the obese category just because they weigh more when even though it's they have an insane amount of muscle mass and they worked really hard for that and tend to have a lower body fat percentage than most people their weight is high so therefore they are obese according to bmi another example that i was originally thinking of imagine a 63 man just a six three random guy. Do you have that image in your head? Now imagine a six three linebacker in the NFL. Same height. One of them is a professional athlete who is shoving guys all day, th- four hours, four hours at a time, constant shoving. <laughs> His body composition is going to look very different from someone who. It's not constantly shoving someone. I hope who, if you're a football fan, I like watching football. But I, I'm just imagining someone cringy at me saying like shoving people. I was just going to say, I love how your description of football is people just shoving everyone else around them. I mean, it's like, I know it's not. It's strategic shoving. Yeah, yeah. Strategically shoving other guys yeah. for four hours. They trained really hard for that. Yeah. They're going to, they need to be heavier to be able to put up with that for so long or else they're going to get thrown to the ground constantly. Yeah. 
and they're not going to be professionals because well, I guess you you do have to be good. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, maybe you can get by. I'm like, no, painting the NFL is really hard. Oh, they yeah. are not like they're, they're, they need to be built a specific way to constantly do that every single week and during practices. But BMI would consider them all obese because right. they're like 300 pounds. And that brings up a good point too, what you kind of said, like if we had our skinny mini six foot three guy and we had our six foot three linebacker who was 300 pounds, you can't, you can't like train that six foot three skinny guy to become a linebacker. Like he's just not built that way. Whereas the linebackers probably always been a big guy his whole life. Oh my Emily's face always changes colors. But yeah, the big guy's probably the biggest whole life. Like he was born to be a linebacker. So that just proves the point that bodies are diverse and there's no way that everybody at six foot three is meant to weigh the same. No, absolutely <sighs> not. <sighs> it's fine. We're fine. I've been fired up three episodes in a row now. <laughs> That's how we know they're good though. Yeah. Season three is real controversial. <laughs> okay. A couple more points here. Um, the next one we've also kind of touched on a little bit already, but it's just the idea that some medical professionals will dismiss your health conditions because you have a high BMI. Like I've heard of patients going to the doctor yes. for a sore throat and the doctor just says, oh, if you lose weight, that'll fix all your problems. They don't get any treatment for the sore throat. That's I feel insane. like that happens Oh, all the time. Like all people the time. don't realize how, like, if you're overweight, like in the overweight category, overweight or up, automatic weight loss, yep. like intervention. Exactly. No matter what the problem is. And it's always eat less. Oh, yes. I had <laughs> someone today. I had someone today who was a new patient to the clinic and she said that her doctor has been trying to get her to do Weight Watchers for months. For months, the doctor would just tell her to do Weight Watchers. That'll fix all her problems. I've heard that one. I've heard them tell, doctors have told them to eat 1200 calories or less, just eat less. Like Emily said, I've heard them tell patients to do keto. I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of them do do this. They just say eat less because they don't learn nutrition or how to treat obesity in school. Just your regular old primary care doctor likely doesn't have any kind of continued training in weight management or obesity or anything like that. And so they just think that doing Weight Watchers will fix all your problems, even if your problem is a sore throat or lower back pain or whatever. Oh my gosh, lower back pain. It's always weight loss. It's always weight loss. <laughs> Knee pain, back pain. And I think we can say, I don't want to, I don't want to no, science like, on this, I suppose, but like there's a correlation. Yeah. If you're pairing more adipose tissue it's going to put more pressure on your joints yes so they're they're going to have to work more and they might yes. hurt but that's not always the case yeah and that's not an excuse for a doctor to just say oh eat less that'll fix it like how are we going to overcome that excess <laughs> adipose tissue and how are we going to like overcome the barriers in life that are going to stand in the way from that person who is trying to lose weight. Like there's so much more to weight loss than just eat less, move more, which is an episode we kind of already touched on, I suppose, but just telling someone to lose weight and then kicking them out is not helpful. Nope. 
it is not. And so this also leads to people who have higher BMIs avoiding going to the doctor because yes. they're scared or they know they're going to get upset when they hear this. They know it's going to happen because whenever they go to the doctor, every single six months or year or whatever, it's the same conversation. And it's probably just miserable. As someone who's never been in a large body, I can't really attest to that, but I've heard so many stories about patients saying this, or even like on TikTok, for example, yeah. and I could just imagine how terrible it would be to go into your doctor and then just like get mad about your weight the entire time, every time yeah. you go. And like completely disregard your like original concerns and the option is just weight loss. Exactly. That's why we're trying to make a change. And I know a lot of younger doctors are actually more aware of kind of the internalized weight bias that's very very prevalent in healthcare so that's good that makes me hopeful for the future but a lot of reflection is needed in all healthcare providers around weight yeah let's get into the next one we have two more for you and then we'll let we'll leave you be for now unless we think of more we'll let you digest all this yeah so this is this one's so bad this one's so bad in 1998 the bmi specification ranges those ones we kind of defined at the beginning of this episode they changed they changed from 27 for women and 28 for men and then they went down they were lowered to 25 both of them so millions of people just became overweight according to BMI or suddenly they've been overweight now or they weren't they weren't before but now they are um yeah like if I went to bed tonight and my BMI was 25 and then the next day I woke up and this BMI cutoff changed I was suddenly overweight the next day so like all this data for that year shows that the number of overweight Americans like was through the roof because more just naturally fit into the category because they lowered it by like two or three points yeah and this is what makes me so mad is this decision was not based for the general let's say like for good intentions in my opinion i do not know what made the decision personally but based (laughs) off of the facts does not seem like good intentions it was based off of a report that the change was based off a report funded by pharmaceutical companies that make weight loss drugs. So if more people and more doctors thought they were overweight and need to lose weight for their health, then they can sell more drugs. Yes. If based on BMI that they have now changed, there are more overweight and obese people that means there's more chances for them to prescribe these weight loss meds. Because overnight in 1998, millions more people became technically overweight. Yeah. So they're probably like, oh my gosh. They're probably like, oh my gosh, they were wrong before. I need to lose weight now. Yeah. Because like guidelines change. This one's so bad. Like, it's just, again, another point that this is just a nonsensical number. Like, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a number we can change and throw around and, like, 
do yeah. whatever with it already like actually... it, it, it like didn't start off great and it's just like getting worse <laughs> it wasn't that long ago this whole thing happened in 98 like we were yeah only a year old we were was like... one I was we were one yeah when... so I guess BMI didn't apply to us but we could have woken up as fat babies the next day because of BMI <laughs> I went to bed a healthy baby and woke up with that baby. I had, I did not care. <laughs> I don't think one-year-old me like knew what was going on. Um, no, no, I definitely didn't. I don't even know what I would do if I was an individual with like a, say like 27, because that would put me in normal range back before 1998. I the my of 27 then the next year I go into my doctor's appointment and like how would they explain that to me new uh, they probably say like a new research study came out and well people wouldn't even second guess it they just hear BMI they know it's what everyone uses and they're just like oh okay cool like people don't really understand like the depth of it like we do I don't, I don't even know how we, it's calculated. I don't even think we learned about this in school, really. Oh, no. Like, we, we learned to use to, BMI. Yeah. Which, that's another thing to look yeah. back right there. Purdue, give me a call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember calculating it, like, every day. We did it in, like, our HK classes. We did it in, like, MNT. Yeah. Like, every day we were calculating BMI for some, like, case study or something. So much so much wrong in so many places yeah well we've got one more bad thing and it kind of goes along with the one above i'd say actually goes more along with the whole dismissal of healthcare. um but insurance companies will actually sometimes charge higher premiums for those who have a high bmi because of the whole idea that if you have a high bmi you're at a higher risk of everything apparently diseases and death and all that so that's a little bias as well that you know if even if you do have, even if you are in a larger body that is a higher risk of disease, I just don't think it's right for insurance to no. do that. I don't like, think so either. That is so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the same idea as like, if you're in a larger body, you have to pay more for clothing. You have to pay more for like extra room on a plane. You have to pay more for insurance now just because you reside in a larger body. And you're scared to go to the doctor because they're just going to tell you to eat less or do Weight Watchers. Which is when they then turn to the toxic diet culture because they're desperately trying to lose weight because not only is their doctor telling them to lose weight, society isn't telling them to lose weight with all the fat phobia everywhere. Also, I think some places do charge more for like the bigger sizes well our clothing company like they charge more so we have to charge our people more yeah which is frustrating customers yeah I'm like let us charge them all the same yeah literally our merch it costs more for us to sell like i think it's like 2x and 3x and above yeah yeah okay so those are the reasons why bmi is bullshit and why if someone tells you what your bmi is you should just tell them you don't give an f yeah. So let's go over some better ways to assess health because 
a ratio of height to weight is not it. Mm -hmm. um, so we keep saying that like your weight doesn't matter. And I guess we're not even really saying that because it is true that your body composition does play a role in your health. If you have very little muscle mass and excess fat mass, that is more likely to lead to disease than just being at a higher weight. Um, and so yeah. assessing body composition is a way better way to assess someone's health. But the problem is that body composition is more expensive to test. It is again, like a higher margin for error to assess. It's just not as easy as like, what's your height? What's your weight? Boom. Here's yeah. an estimation of your risk for disease. But it can be done in a few ways. Like they have like those fancy dancy scales you can get on that assess like your muscle and fat mass. Um, you can do like a skin fold test, which is a little less accurate. DEXA scans, that kind of stuff. I love DEXAs. Me too. Remember, were you in the class with me when I got in the bod pod? In MNT? Was it MNT or was it a different class? I feel like it was 438, that weird one where like <gasps> nutrition with, um, assessment. Yes. Wait, no, no. Yes. We had different TAs for that. I remember. Oh, well, yeah. I got to use the bod so, pod. It was so cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. I got to use DEXA when I was at U of I. Ooh. Very scary looking at those results. <laughs> I had like no muscle in my arms. I was like, wow. <laughs> Look at my, but like, I was like, my legs looked good, but that's because I run. So, yeah. like, it was a good measure of health for me. It may, exactly. Not that I'm, I don't really use weight at all. I weigh myself three times a year, maybe, but like, it was cool to see. If I ever do a DEX again, I don't know when I'll have access to one, but it was cool to see that. Yeah, it was cool. The bod pod was cool because it was kind of scary because they had to like, I had to like strip down. <laughs> yeah, I had to like oh. strip down. I had to like wear like spandex and a sports bra and oh, like yeah. put on this like, um, like swimmer's cap. So I was in front of the entire class. I looked ridiculous. And then we did the whole thing and it wouldn't even work. So I didn't like even get the results. What? Yeah, I was pissed. So I like wore spandex and a sports bra and a swim cap in front of everybody for no reason. <laughs> that would I was pissed. <laughs> that would traumatize me. I just wanted to know because I was like way more into like weightlifting then than I am now. I'm still in love with it, but I was like kind right. of obsessed. And so I like really wanted to know my muscle mass <laughs> and like my numbers. Yeah. Cause like really those sad. machines are expensive. They don't you don't just have right. them on hand. I did it like three times and it kept saying it like wouldn't work. I think it was probably my Maybe fault. Maybe if you I'm ever just... go back to Purdue, you'll be like, you owe me a bod pod or a Dex. <laughs> I should get like a year off my loans for that experience. <laughs> I text Mitch Daniels. Or just at least get hey. a big interest rate, maybe. <laughs> just for that. Just because of my, I was traumatized. <laughs> I had to get naked in front of the entire class, basically, <laughs> and I would be traumatized. Sit there for like an hour for nothing to happen. <laughs> it was terrible. It actually wasn't that bad. I'm not one who was like against wearing spandex in the sports bra. I'd like wear that to the gym on a regular basis. But still, it was the principle of the thing. <laughs> exactly. All that for what? <laughs> for what? Just to like know that I am not even accessible. Like maybe I just have too much muscle mass. The bond pod couldn't, even couldn't. rationalize it. Uh, cannot calculate. We've never seen this much muscle mass. You were just too built. For the I was just ripped to shreds. 
I was those obese bodybuilders we're talking about. That was me. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, body composition. The I don't really have anything to add to body composition. I think so that's we, plenty. <laughs> I've got it at this point. Yeah. Uh, the next um measurement that we could use, which I actually like because I feel like this is a bit more user-friendly, is yeah, waist circumference and waist to hip comfort ratio. So all you need is a measuring tape. And obviously there's always user error. Um, we were actually trained how to measure waist and hip circumference in some of our health and kinesiology classes, but you'll probably get a general idea. And the more you practice it, or if this, if this is something you want to utilize for kind of seeing changes in yourself, you'll practice and get better at it. So essentially waist circumference is at the smallest area of your waist typically around your belly button or under your ribs. And then hip circumference is the longest circumference around your bootay. So you can measure either of them, kind of see if you see any changes there. And then also the waist to hip ratio. Kind of seeing, I forgot. I know there was a, I know there was a standard to see those. <laughs> There's, there's a standard with waist to hip ratio, and I'm blanking on what it is right now. I think it's 0.8 for women, 1.0 for men. That sounds right. Yeah. Cause I was like, men are boxes, women are exactly. Women have shape. <laughs> Reason number 500 why I don't want to be a white male. I'd rather have my curves and little tiny baby calves. <laughs> Just kidding. There are plenty of white guys who have nice calves. Like the 6'3 linebacker. <laughs> yes. Now that's curves. Okay. <laughs> um, another way to assess someone's health is their lab values, like their blood glucose levels, um, their lipid profile, hormones, all those kind of things. Um, all the fun stuff. Yeah. I love labs. And Oh, I do too. I do too. Okay, last one. I'll just run through it. Our last one is like a dietary recall. So that's what we use on a regular basis. Just like getting a really good idea of what someone's eating. Mm-hmm. That can help us assess like if they're getting enough of the macronutrients, enough micronutrients, enough water. Um, and so we can't necessarily like see how that's affecting their body necessarily, unless we do get their labs or their body comp- composition or any of that. But it's just a good, easy, cheap way to see how someone's food might be affecting their health. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all much better ways to measure health compared to BMI. Highly recommend kind of taking these more into account rather than whatever your BMI is. Yes. Like I'm pretty sure I'm, well, I'm definitely overweight, if not obese. Like BMI is garbage. Yeah. And I would argue that I'm a pretty healthy individual in general. Yeah. And also like we didn't go over this even like family history, like that and like genetics, like because I'm, let's say I'm obese technically, like some would say that I'm at a super high risk now of getting type two diabetes, but like, that's probably not true because I have no family history of it. It's not my genetics at all. Again, I'm also a very healthy person. I eat really well, exercise regularly. And so just because I'm 
in the scenario obese, I'm not at a high risk for diabetes. It's just not. Yeah, that's oh. a good point. Because I was, now I'm thinking about the alternate way because I think I'm in the normal weight range. I don't know. I haven't calculated in years. But I have a family history of diabetes. So I'm probably at more risk than you for diabetes. Mm. But well, plus, like, are you using the Asian scale or the other scale? You know, I'm using the, the, our white European dude scale, not yeah. our Asian um, scale made me traumatize me back. I'm not going right back right to that. Now. I'm calculating it right now. So it might be a minus 27.4. So holy cow, you calculated that so quickly. Oh, I do it every day. So I'm pretty good at it. I don't think I've calculated one BMI for one of my patients. Ugh, it's not a trait that I'm proud of. Well, I want to calculate mine. So in the 98, <laughs> I would have been healthy, but now I'm overweight. I don't even know how much I weigh. I'm just guessing. I haven't weighed myself since I like went to the urgent care last time I thought I had COVID. Hmm. Centimeters is 2.54, right? I do it the inches way and then just multiply it by 703.1, just way faster. Okay, so take, <laughs> take your weight. That. All right, I have weight, my weight. Divide it by your height in inches. Yes. Divide it by your height in inches again and then okay. multiply that by 703.1. That is much faster. Yeah, I'm in the normal range. Yeah. But I have a family history of diabetes. So right. I am at risk of diabetes. And so am and I since I'm overweight. Yeah. I We're all so at risk. Bad family history. Mm. But you wouldn't know. Because <laughs> people, because I am very privileged within privilege, which is foreshadowing another episode coming up no yes we need to do thin privilege then also fat bias yes which should we just like combine them i feel like we should just combine them i feel like because, we can yeah. yeah yeah let us know guys what do you want do you want to spend a whole hour going up with thin privilege because i'm sure we could yeah and just we can i could we'll easily i could easily do an hour on, on fat phobia oh yeah so easy to do that we'll see how the outlines look and we'll decide if go on social it. media it's awful <laughs> people it's are so mean i just recorded a youtube video that i'm going to post next week which will be out by the time you guys hear this on the whole calorie deficit thing i'm so excited to post it because every I single refer person everyone to it <laughs> yes because every single person well, you know what? No, I'm not going to spoil it. Go listen to the YouTube video if you want to hear my thoughts on a calorie deficit. Yes. Go check out Hannah's YouTube channel. If you have not already, go It'll subscribe. It'll be out by now. And like all of her videos. Yeah. Thanks, girl. Mm-hmm. So let's give our final thoughts. BMI is just a starting point. And it's one data point. And there is much more to health than your health, your height to weight ratio. And we should not be using it to diagnose obesity. Yeah, it's a 200-year-old ratio equation that created wasn't by, even meant for it. <laughs> by an astronomer. Who even told everyone, he was like, 
hey guys just doing this for kicks and giggles i'm not it's a saturday i'm bored (laughs) let's take all these european dudes like we should not use this for our diagnosis process leave it to us leave it to us and i think it was 1980 we started using it for like the diagnosis of obesity leave it to us this is a really dumb question that i don't know the answer to do they use bmi in other countries in the same way that we do i feel like they don't i feel like just americans i feel like it's a very it's an easy way to categorize americans and not only blame the increase in weight and time increasing obesity prevalence but it's an easy way to like categorize all the prevalence of that and then sell drugs for weight you guys you guys know those like oh those terrible pictures of the united states where the states are different colors based on the amount of obesity those are just based on bmi that's all it is so like all those red states and yellow states it's just based on the ratios of heights to weights in those states doesn't say anything about health nope and as we know bmi is insanely flawed and so in that way those charts are insanely flawed yeah there could be a whole state of professional athletes (laughs) and they would be considered obese I just feel like this episode is very woke of us. We're just being very woke today. Yeah, we're talking about a lot of controversial things that I feel like five years ago, people were not talking about as much. But that is why we are here because we're not going to sugarcoat it. No, I mean, five years ago, I would have seen that American chart of like all the obese people in Alabama. And I was like, oh my gosh, we got to do something about that. Yeah. Make them eat vegetables. Oh yeah. That was absolutely my mindset five years ago. And then we start going into the field and start. This is, this is, this is a conversation for another time, but we had some critical thought, which people don't think dietitians have. But we had no. some critical thinking process. We're like, is this, is this the best we can do? That's it's just not. Point. People just think that we're just having everyone eat more veggies and, you know. And funded by big by pharma. Big corn. Big corn, big sugar. <laughs> I have not gotten my salary oh. from big, where is my stipend from them? Big gluten. Oh. I've gotten all these in my TikTok comments. Big gluten. Big gluten. <laughs> We do but, not make enough to be backed by that. Right. If big gluten or big corn want to pay me, I will gladly accept it. Because at this point, it's not even worth being woke when everyone still hates us. Ugh. Anyway, that's another another <laughs> episode. We've got content for just like decades. Yeah. You guys are never getting rid of us. <laughs> yeah. It'll be great. So we're gonna be in our 60s doing this i'm gonna be like ranting about bmi when i'm saying why is this still around because you know it will be yeah someone will remember it oh yeah yeah. bonus question bonus question (laughs) okay this one emily is your time to shine because i don't have a huge preference on this but the bonus question is hot cheetos or takis which one is better and of course like why i 
love both of these. I like, if anyone wants to send me bags of these, send them my way. You will be come auto, you'll automatically be my favorite person. I am team hot Cheetos because that was a childhood staple that I just grew up with. Not because I was allowed to eat them because my parents were the kind of type that was like, no junk food in the house. So I had to enjoy it at my friend's houses. But I feel like the crunch is better with hot Cheetos. Also, you know this, I hate getting my hands dirty so much. Like I, I despise it. Hot Cheetos are easier to eat. I think you've seen me do it where like I like stick my tongue in the yes. <laughs> I debated making a TikTok that I was like, does anyone else I was thinking about doing does anyone else do that? A girl at work that I work with does it. Maybe I will do a video like that. You're not alone. like or will like it's just absolutely roasted like my hot chocolate video. Oh yeah. I mean I was one of the roasters, so I take blame <laughs> for that one. That's okay. But Hot Cheetos are easier to eat without a hand, more crunch factor. Also, I feel like there's not, I feel like Takis, sometimes they put too much seasoning and I'm just like, whoa, they like stain my hands sometimes. And I'm like, this is too much. Um, But I will never say no to either of them. Fun fact though, I can eat almost an entire bag of Hot Cheetos without any sips of water. (laughs) It makes me a little scared of you. I had a video when I was like eight, not eight. I was in middle school, sometime in middle school, where my friends recorded me just eating like bags of Cheetos. And they're like, I was for some reason in competition with my other friends. See who takes a sip of water first? I would have been scared of 14 year old you. That is my superpower to this day is I can handle any amount of hot Cheetos without water. I that's might start like impressive. sweating and crying, but I will not do it. So yeah. That's impressive. What about you? I don't uh, think I know this answer. Because I've never had a talkie before in my life. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go. I know. I don't know. Do they DoorDash talkies? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably. I will somehow get talkies to your house. Well, the thing is, I don't eat a lot of spicy foods because I yeah. don't like being in pain when I eat. <laughs> And I just can't tolerate it. I really, really, really want to like hot foods. I can appreciate how good they can taste and that it can like really mm-hmm. just be a whole different world of food I don't get to enjoy. But no matter how much I try, I've been trying for a long time to like it. I just can't like hot foods. So I could like eat a couple hot Cheetos and like enjoy it. And I appreciate how good they are, but I can't eat more than that without being uncomfortable and wanting to like chug a glass of milk. So I, by default, have to go with hot Cheetos. I've never had a Taki, but that answer is not very dense or credible or should be used for anyone else's decision to eat a hot Cheeto over a Taki. Well, I think they have have small bags of Takis that you could get. Does Ross like hot things? Because if you don't like it, you could give it to him. Okay, perfect then. You could give it to him if you don't like it. I think he likes hot Cheetos. We've got like the variety pack before that will come with like the hot Cheetos and he'll eat all those. Oh, I was going to say the variety pack of hot Cheetos. What is that? No, it's just like if you get like a big old thing of chips and it comes like the Lay's and the Fritos. I'll have like hot Cheetos sometimes and he eats those and I eat all the boring, salty stuff. Those are still good. Still good. Any salty chip is good. 
I'll take Are you more sweet off. or salty? I don't think I know this about you. Maybe I you. switched to salty after college. I did know that. We talked about this. Yes. Yes. Good same. Which was not good for my health because I had <laughs> access dessert to dessert at every meal when I was in dining courts. Not to say that eating dessert is bad. It was just I was did not have a good relationship with food and I harassed that dessert. <laughs> I abused my access to food. It was, but yeah. Yeah. I know whenever we'd eat together, we'd always get dessert. But it was oh. like fun because you'd come to the dining courts. I felt like I was like I bringing you out. I was like, come to my restaurant. <laughs> Windsor dining hall. <laughs> but like I loved it because I like packed my lunch that day. Yeah. Oh, I miss the dining courts. Purdue has good dining court food. Yes. I kind of want to go back just to like experience the food again. Me too. We're Me like too. known. We were known for dining courts. Like I think there was a ranking. We were in top five oh. in the country. Yeah, I worked at one of them for like my entire time there. So that's definitely a fact. Yes. We need to get you talkies somehow. We'll get you talkies somehow. I don't know how. Maybe I'll like give Ross money to go buy you (laughs) talkies. Maybe they'll just sponsor us and then we can both get free talkies. I would absolutely take a talkie or hot Cheetos sponsorship at any time. You don't I even need like a paycheck. We just need like actual no, like, the just product. Give me, just give me bags of either of them and I will be happy. Yeah. We will give you a shout out just to send us like just a bag each even. Not even like ridiculous quantities. And then we can do a live of Hannah eating Takis for the first time. Like when I had the Big Mac for the first time. We both had the Big Mac for the first time. Yeah. So yeah. Whenever you we should come rest. next, we'll to, I should not have them till you come visit next. We can do it together. Or you can, I feel like you could do it before. I'm sure there's something else you haven't had that we could try. I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to, you have to wait to experience talkies. I've made it 25 years and not had them. I think I can wait a few more months. (laughs) We just don't know that. I will. The first time I had talkies was at Bobby's house and they had like a big bag and I ate like all of them. (laughs) I love like. I love like potato chips and like that kind of stuff. So yeah. I can appreciate how good those are. Yeah. Like, they are like very hot. I will know from a hotness scale, they might be hotter than like, like hot Cheetos. Really? Yeah. Dang. But I think it's because of the amount of seasoning. They put mm. so much compared to hot Cheetos. Yeah. But anyway, we should wrap this up. because <laughs> I don't even know. We always do this. So. We hope you enjoyed today's episode about BMI. Let us know your thoughts. Also, let us know kind of your thoughts on that thin privilege fat phobia episode. If you want one or two episodes, we can obviously do a part two without, we could probably talk about, we could probably make an entire episode about that, or at least an entire episode, an entire podcast about that. Um, But thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time. I'm glad we're just like letting it happen now. We're just committing to it. I'm just going to claim I'm seeing you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at The Upbeat Dietitians. 
Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.